Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. I love this season. How about you? I just love it when, uh, well, let's also give it up for uh, Pastor Kristen, who put a lot of this together. Shonda helped, and uh, Heather as well helped. And uh, they just made it beautiful. Isn't that cool? Every year I have people saying, are there real gifts in there? It's like, nope, they're not real. Just for show. But we have the greatest gift of all, Jesus. Amen? So I'm excited. I just love the decor. I just love the, the feeling. I love the reason for this season. How about you? And so in light of that, we're starting a brand new series today. Say brand new series. You know, today actually officially kicks off Advent. Anyone here heard of Advent? Yeah, it literally means arrival. And so it's that anticipation that we have uh, for the first four Sundays before Christmas of the arrival of Jesus. Now, how many know Jesus has already arrived? But what's interesting is he hasn't actually arrived in some people's hearts. Like they haven't awakened yet to the truth of their connection with Jesus. And so I believe this is a great time where people, you know, I've noticed that whether you turn on a TV show, you're out and about, um, you know, some people argue about saying Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays and those things. But I still see these little pockets of Jesus, these little pockets of the celebration of the birth of Jesus. And I celebrate that. I think it's a time where people who maybe don't think of that through the year, maybe it's not something they're aware of, they're kind of thinking about this Christmas story and this Christmas idea. But you know, Advent is not just an extension of Christmas. It's really a season that links the past, the present, and the future. It really offers us, I believe, an opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah. You ever thought about that? For us, it's easy in the 21st century to celebrate this story. We're like, yeah, I mean, that was like 2,000 years ago. But what about those who were before that time, who had that longing? to see the Messiah, to celebrate his birth, to uh, you know, maybe be alert for how God is moving in that space and that time. And so Advent, to me, looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in the coming of Jesus, while at the same time looking forward in this hopeful and I would say even eager anticipation of the ever-growing kingdom of God, which, by the way, happens through people. It happens through you and me. Jesus said, repent, right? Metanoia, change your mind. Why? The kingdom of God is within you. That's our message, isn't it? And so it's people awakening to the truth of what's happening. And what a great season. I do think, though, you know, for far too long, our Christmases have been, they become like this frenzied, overwhelming, busy season. Is everyone, anyone? I was just in Walmart yesterday. I literally had to stop there to grab something that Kristen needed to get ready before we came to the party. And I could not believe the amount of people that were at Walmart. Yeah. Yeah, it was just like, what, what, what is going on? But I, I should know this, right? That's why I do not like going to the mall, especially during the holidays. It's just crazy. It's, it's this frenzied feeling. It's this... It's, I got to buy this. I got to have that. The commercials are there, the advertisement. And I'm not against buying stuff, okay? I buy stuff. But I think in the mix of all that, our season of peace is quickly overloaded as a season of stress. 
And the thing is this, we should have perfect peace anyway because perfect peace resides within us, right? But in this season of peace, of joy, of goodwill toward men, sometimes we can get caught up in that rat race and it becomes a season of stress. But I believe Advent for us, if we become aware of this, if we can see this, it's an opportunity to set all that aside. Doesn't mean we have to set celebrating Christmas with family. Doesn't mean we have to set aside buying gifts. Maybe you should look at your budget and buy a few less gifts. That's okay. The kids will survive. But I think we can set aside the stress and all the frenzy. I believe Advent's a time to prepare our hearts and, and really help us place our focus on, I believe, a far greater story than what we're being told. Here's the thing. Advent is the story of God's redeeming love for our world. That's what it's all about. At the end of the day, now, this is something we can celebrate every single day and every single season, but for some reason, we put focus here and now, and I think it's beautiful because people are aware of it. I believe they're open to the story of God's redeeming love. And so it's not a, a season of just pretending to be happy, all right? We can't just cover up the pain or the hardships that we've experienced during this year, or maybe some of us are even experiencing right now and continue to experience I believe it's a season of digging deep into the reality of what it means that God sent his son into the world to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. You ever thought about that? God is with you? Now, I know if you go to this church, you're like, yeah, man, I mean, that's just how it is. But do you know there are people who don't know that God is with them? Honestly, I don't know how I could get through certain times in my life without knowing that God is with me. That's just where I am. And you can say, well, is God a crutch? I guess if you want to call it that. I lean heavily on that crutch at times because God is my life. He's the source of my life. He's my connection to heaven and the earthly realm. Come on, somebody. Now, that's like, ooh, I know. Sometimes I'm even like, wow, that's just a wild thought. Like Paul says that I'm seated in heavenly places right at the right hand of God with Jesus, yet I'm here. What is all that? That's what we're learning on the journey, huh? But what I see in that is that there's a true divine connection. And when we awaken to that, it changes who we are. In fact, better than that, it reacquaints ourselves with our true self. See, you're already who God has made you to be, but you just don't know every facet of what that means. Amen? I heard it said like this. I thought this was a great quote. It's a season of expectation and preparation, an opportunity to, get this, align ourselves with God's presence more than just a hectic season of getting presence. See how we did that? I thought that was pretty, pretty nifty. Does anyone say nifty anymore? No? Okay, well, I'm, gonna, I'm bringing it back, baby. On a count of three, nifty. One, two, three. Nifty. Not as cool as I thought it would sound. So today we're starting a brand new series, and it's entitled Rediscover Christmas. Say that with me. Rediscover Christmas. And I'm really excited about this next few weeks. I'm taking a little bit of time here at the intro this morning, but we're going to be talking about hope today. Say hope. Finding hope in our uncertainties. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? We're also going to talk about peace, finding peace in our struggles. How many know peace sometimes? Whew, 
It's hard to find, but when you can find it in the midst of your struggles, it changes everything. I'm also going to talk about finding joy in our discouragements. Do you know that that's possible? See, joy isn't happiness, is it? Happiness is based on what's happening. Joy is a gift that we already have within us. Come on, someone. Finding joy in our discouragements. And last but certainly not least, you know me, I love talking about love. Finding love in our differences. How many know that we could use that in this world? I'll say this as a pastor. We could use that in in the church of Jesus Christ. Love in the midst of our differences. Come on, somebody. Now I'm starting to feel it. (laughs) So each week we're going to focus on a different attribute of God represented in what I believe the coming of Jesus. It's kind of wrapped up in this idea of Advent. And so today we begin with finding hope in our uncertainties. You ready to go? So what I want to talk about today in this idea is I want to talk about two main Bible characters, Simeon and Anna. And I, I believe that they show us, they demonstrate to us what it is to have hope in the midst of hopeless situations, in the midst of uncertainties. And as we explore these themes of Advent over the next four weeks, uh, we'll see how they relate to and are exemplified in different characters of the Bible, Christmas story, and today it's Simeon and Anna. But first what I want to do is I want to kind of give us a little background, like a backdrop of the times that these people were living in. How many old Pastor Andy likes to do this, right? I want us, when we read these stories... I don't want it to just be a Sunday morning religious thing that we do together. I want us to feel what these characters felt. I want us to try to envision what what was going on around them. What was the landscape? What was the backdrop? What were they feeling? Um, uh, You know, who, who was in charge of what was going on in certain situations? And so, you know, it's easy in the 21st century, and I don't want to downplay or diminish any of the things that we go through. But, you know, we think that we have it really bad today in many ways. And for some of us, we might be going through some serious adversity, and I completely understand that. But, you know, so did Israel. Especially, I mean, right now they're even, you know, going through things, of course. But back in the Bible days, we could say in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, I would say that they had a pretty good case to say we've got some things that are going not so well for us. I mean, think about ancient history, right? I mean, they were in a world, first of all, even currently in the time of Jesus, where they were under the thumb of the Roman Empire. I mean, they had another nation. We don't know what that's like. Imagine any nation, and I'm not going to name one because we all have some evil nation we think about, but imagine another nation invaded us, And then they occupied us, and we had to go by their law and their way of thinking as Americans. Would that be hard? This is what Israel went through. The Roman government, they ruled. It wasn't just Israel. I mean, they were were like the world power at the time, but they were under the thumb of empire. It was a harsh day to live in. It was a time of conquest. It was a time of brutality. It had been thousands of years. I want you to get this mental picture for these people. Thousands of years since the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the calling out of God's people. It had been thousands of years of being invaded and conquered by enemies like the Assyrians and the Babylonians and then the massive empires of Greeks, of the Greeks and the Romans. And they were under the thumb. They were under occupation. It had been generations and generations since the formation of God's covenant with humanity. 
which, by the way, promised a Messiah that would make things right, to bless humanity and to restore all things in creation. But as they looked around them, all they saw was the thumb of Rome. They had heavy taxation. They found it hard, hard to even feed their families. Why do you think people would follow after Jesus? I'm telling you, when they found that this dude could like multiply food, we're thinking, oh, they just want to hear all the great things Jesus had to say. Maybe some of them, but some were starving. You're like, uh, loaves and fishes, I'm there, right? This brought crowds of people, thousands of people to Jesus. This is the time they were living in. But in the back of their mind, as they went to temple, as they would hear the rabbis and the priests speaking, they would, they would think about this promised Savior, this Messiah, for some, this warrior king that would overthrow Rome, that would give them their freedom back. I want us to put ourselves in their shoes. And so this idea, the, the fulfillment of God's covenant and the coming of Messiah who would make everything right, it wasn't just a happy idea to these Israelites. Some idea that's kind of drifted in and out of their consciousness and their culture. Think about this. It was their deepest hope. It was the one thing that sustained them through years of uncertain waiting. They clung to God's promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 when, when God said to Abraham, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. But how long would it take? I mean, think about that. How long would it take? It's been thousands of years. These stories were passed down. So this generation that lived in the time of Jesus would have thought, we've been hearing this for thousands of years. When's this going to happen? I mean, was there even embers of hope left for some people? How long can hope survive? That's a really good question, especially under the world-changing forces of the Greek and the Roman empires. And then we turn to the story in the Gospel of Luke, and the answer is a resounding yes. The promise is about to happen. Now, most of the time, uh, we end our, our story narrative with Mary and Joseph and Jesus in the stable, right? The shepherds come along and to visit, and then they go back to their flocks. And then we even sneak in the Magi, right? We three kings. Why? How many know the kings weren't there at the manger, folks? But we want to sneak them in because it's more convenient to get everybody together for one last group number in the Christmas pageant, right? Come on. We sing Silent Night, roll the credits. It's all good now. And so we kind of sneak that in. It's, it's funny, last night, um, you know, Aiden's 13 now, so he's able to watch some movies he wasn't able to watch when he was 2, 3, and 4, and 5, right? And so last night, like, we're, we're like, you got to watch Four Christmases, man. Has anyone ever seen Four Christmases? Oh, my gosh, that scene where, in the, where, by the way, it's so funny when Hollywood tries to mimic what church looks like. That alone is pretty funny. But when Vince Vaughn is fulfilling the role of Joseph and he's getting so into that character, that was so funny. But even there, they had everyone present, even though in the story they weren't. So if we look at Luke's Christmas narrative, it ends the night of Jesus' birth with the shepherd's departure, by the way, not the three kings, and I'd like for us to look a little more closely today at the scene that comes right after that. Now, this is odd, I know, because usually we talk about the nativity, we talk about the manger and those things, but I want to look at the scene that comes right after it, and specifically the characters of Simeon and Anna. So let's look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. 
And I want to start here in verse 22. Just, just bear with me. We're going to go through a reading here. But I want us again with that mental picture that we have people for thousands of years who have been waiting for the promised Messiah. They're waiting for someone, a deliverer, a savior, someone to bring them salvation. And this happens. Verse 22. Then it was time for their purification offering, as was required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So this is speaking about Mary and Joseph. She had just had Jesus. Um, He had just had his eight days according to the law before circumcision. And so now they were free to go, free to move about, but they had to go through this purification offering. It says, so his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. I know, seems odd. It's just what they did, okay? Say culture. Culture. Say it's a culture thing. But this is something they had to do. Look at this. At that time, say at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. Look at this. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? This was the feeling that most Jews had at this time. They were eager. They were anticipating the coming of the Lord. Look at this. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That's an interesting statement right there. So we know what's getting close, right? And you're like, well, yeah, man, I read the story. No, 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 put yourself into their time. I want you to see this from their perspective. They didn't know this was happening. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. Ooh, a Spirit-led man before the cross. That's interesting. Look at this. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, they were just doing what they were supposed to do, Simeon was there. Ooh, you ever heard of a divine appointment? Come on, this is what I'm, I'm getting goosebumps. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, this whole thing, man, God was setting this up. There was a blessing about to happen. Look at this. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, I want you to hear his words. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light, look at this, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Come on. I mean, that's not how you talk as a Jew. And the glory of your people, Israel. Are you catching this? They've been waiting for thousands of years, and now is the time. And Simeon sees. He he holds Jesus in his hands. He says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now just... In other words, I'm ready to die. How old was the guy? I mean, when, when, when Holy Spirit, this is funny things I think about, right? When Holy Spirit said, hey, you won't die until, he's like, dude, I'm 105. I'm waiting thousands of years. I don't know if I want to wait around. But now's the time. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Come on, preservation, safety, healing, wholeness, deliverance. Which you have prepared in the sight of, what's it say? All nations. I want us to catch on to this theme of the gospel here. How many nations? All. All. And this guy has the audacity to say a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Israel. That includes everyone. To a Jew, the Gentiles was everyone who wasn't an Israelite. 
Do you see this? That's why we're included. Can I get an amen? amen? Look at this. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother. This is a powerful statement. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of man's heart will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. It wasn't all just like rainbows and gumdrops, was it? The Savior is here. But because of how Jesus conducted his life and because of what Jesus said and because of his full inclusion and because of how he described God, he says that it would cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. And how many know we see that all through the story? Wouldn't it be great if everyone was like, Jesus, the Messiah, this is amazing. How many know we just talked last week about how they were trying to deceive him here, and then they wanted to deceive him there, and they wanted to catch him in something so they could kill him. And eventually, what did they do? They killed him. But God said, no. Now, I'm getting ahead, but man, through resurrection, it was God's big fat no to the world system and how we operate. But let's say that for Easter, okay? Let's get back to Christmas. Look at this. There was also a prophet. What was the prophet's name? Anna, a female prophet. Come on, somebody. Look at this. I know. Come on. <laughs> Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. Look at this. She was very old. Luke wanted to make sure we knew this. In other words, these people have been waiting a heck of a long time, right? Look at this. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was, what, 84 years old. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Why? She was awaiting the Savior. She was ready, baby. Look at this. Come up to them. At that very moment, that's what she did. Coming up to the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. So we have two witnesses. Say two witnesses. Really speaking prophetically. You know what's interesting? Did you notice that Simeon and Anna are not surprised by the arrival of Jesus? They were like, oh my gosh. I mean, they weren't surprised. They're like, here it is. Why? They had been waiting and hoping for years, knowing God will fulfill his promise. But if you read the story from front to back, most others in the story of Jesus' arrival are surprised by his coming. And some never even knew he came. They just thought he was a good rabbi, did some cool stuff. He healed my aunt. Man, she had some issues. Thank God he got those demons cast out of her but they didn't see it was the Messiah. But Simeon and Anna are not surprised. They had hope of his arrival, and it finally came. And I believe that as we look at these two characters, Simeon and Anna, they reveal several things about the power of hope. How many of there's power in hope? And I think there's things that we can take and apply in our own lives when we look at the lives of Simeon and Anna. So we're just going to take a moment and just look at three key things. Say three things. And then he's going to let us go. You didn't even say that. Look at that. Number one. This is good. Hope sees beyond. We're talking about hope today, right? Hope sees beyond. Think about this. Hope is the fuel of faith. Hope is the fuel of dreams. Hope is the fuel, if you will, of possibilities. 
Hope is that whisper of maybe, just maybe. Now, again, I I want us to, to, to be in the mindset. I want us to be in the frame of people who were waiting for thousands of years for a promise. And finally it was happening. But how many know for thousands of years you had to have hope that maybe, just maybe, in my lifetime, this is going to happen. You see, no matter how bad your year has been, let's make this personal. No matter how bad your year has been, no matter what kind of problems and struggles that you're even facing right now, even if you're in a season of darkness and pain, let me encourage you to not abandon hope. Hope is a gift. It's a gift that's been given to us. Do not abandon it. Hope is still alive even in our deepest pain and most hopeless circumstances. I believe that hope chases away darkness. It chases away uncertainty. Hope is alive. You know why? Because God is with us. God is our Emmanuel. And here's the thing. Hope precedes our present reality. No matter what we're in right now. Listen, we're not not trying to brush it under the rug. We're not trying to pretend and just... We say faith it, but it's really faking it. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying while you're going through adversity, while you're going through pain, because I'm telling you, if I were to pull aside 10 people randomly and say, are you going through hurt and pain right now? At least eight of you would say, yes, this is what's been happening to me. Why? Because we're human. And we live in a world where stuff happens. I call it stuff because I'm at church on Sunday. Come on, somebody. Hope precedes our present reality. And as I was thinking about this this morning, something just, you ever just, you know, you're, you're studying something you want and it just hits you like, like a brick? I don't know. No one's really throwing a brick at me, but it hits you, right? Like you, you know it's there. I was thinking about this today. Hope, by its very nature, exists in uncertainty. If you're in an uncertain moment, right, that's where hope exists. Because if, this, if the moment's not uncertain, if the thing has happened, you're not hoping for it anymore. I, I don't know if you you're understand what I'm saying, but it hit me. I went, wait a minute. Because some people are like, it's hopeless. Why? Because it's uncertain. Oh, no, no, no. Because it's uncertain, hope exists. That's the nature of hope. Hope is like, I hope to get through this. I hope to get to the other side. See, hope exists in questions. Hope exists in doubts. Hope is present in that unclear sense of what is to come. What's the next step? What's going to happen next? I lost my job. Okay, what does it mean for my family? What does it mean for my house payment? I'm getting real now, okay? But in those moments, we feel Hopeless, but the truth is, hope is present because of the uncertainty, because of the adversity, because we don't know what's going to happen. And let me say it again hope is a gift. You don't have to, to manufacture hope. You don't have to, it's just like love, it's just like faith. Come on, faith, hope, love. It's gifts from God. So in those moments when you feel like, I just don't see the answer, I don't know, and listen, I'm not saying you don't have feelings in those moments. Feel the feelings. That's why God gave them to you. But don't succumb to the idea that you're hopeless. No, no, no. In those situations, hope's present because by the very nature, hope exists within uncertainty. 
Here's the thing. Hope is the willingness and desire to believe beyond what our present circumstances and reality are presenting us. It's saying, I know what I see, but I know there's another side. My dad used to always say this, and it stuck with me. When someone says, man, I'm going through something, that's the best way we can see it. Because when you go through, it means eventually you're out of. Come on. So why? Why is it that in those moments of uncertainty, we can have that willingness and desire to believe beyond what our present circumstances and reality are presenting to us? Because hope sees beyond. Number two, say number two. God is with us here, now, and always. Now, if you've gone to Faith City for any amount of time, bless you, by the way. Bless you, my child. (laughs) You know this about Faith City. We say this all the time, that Holy Spirit is here because we're here. We don't have to beg. We don't have to plead. The Spirit of God is here because you're here. You would not be here animated, breathing, living, singing, worshiping, unless Holy Spirit was here. It's because of your divine connection. Does that make sense? And so when we say this, you may go, yeah, yeah, I get it. But I want you to think about that idea. Think about when you're in the most hopeless moment you've ever been in. Because we've all at some point in 20 and 30 and 50 and 70 years experienced that feeling of hopelessness. I want you to almost put yourself in that place. What did you see in that moment? Did you feel like God was with you? I think of a moment where Jesus didn't feel as if God was with him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How many know that God was there? But Jesus experiences exactly what we experience. Times where you're like, God, where are you? I need you right now. You don't seem to be with me. But here's the thing. Here's the truth. Here's what gives us hope. God is with us here, now, and always. This is the Christmas story. Emmanuel, God with us. And here's the really cool thing about this to me. God isn't surprised by our current circumstances. God's never caught off guard. Like, we're just hanging one day. He's like, whoa, dude, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) No, God's not surprised by our circumstances. And he's with us through it all. Say, through it all. So when we feel too weak to carry on, when we feel that our grasp is slipping on the ability to try to hope, guess what? His spirit is with us. And here's the thing I want to add to this, and he's not grading you on your faith and hope level. Like, man, dude, I don't know if I can hang out too much longer. You're kind of a downer right now. Anyone seen SNL? Debbie Downer? (laughs) Come on, I've been a Debbie Downer before, right? Even just if it's with myself. But Holy Spirit doesn't go, I'll come back when you're done. No, no, no. God's with us the whole way through. In fact, it's his spirit that helps us to restore hope by reminding us of God's faithfulness, of God's promises. Holy Spirit reminds us of all God has done for us in the past. Remember, King David would celebrate those past victories that the Lord brought him. Why? It would stir him up. It would stir up hope to say, okay, we're going to get through this one then. What are the promises that God has given to me? Because our God, our Emmanuel, come on, we're in the season, has promised his people throughout history and us today messages of hope 
including these, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Say, I receive hope. It's a gift. I receive it. Look at the prophet Isaiah said, Isaiah 43, Do not fear. That right there. How many times does that theme run through the scriptures? Fear not. Do not fear. Have no fear. Anyway, I just saw that. Do not fear. Look at this. For I have what? Redeemed you. Here's that redemption. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Say hallelujah. Have you ever felt like you've walked through fire? you ever felt like you're going through a raging river? Guess who's there with you the entire time? God, our God, Emmanuel. Do you feel the hope in these words? You know, I think it's important and I've been seeing this more and more in my walk, to find a quiet space to get away. Not to eat a Snickers bar, but to refocus on what's important. To turn off, to shut off all the surrounding voices that are telling me different stories about myself and about my present reality and about the adversity and about the pain. To turn it off and say, God, I want to spend time with you. And these are moments where we can look at scripture like this and declare, this is for me. I feel like I'm walking through fire right now. I feel pain. I feel adversity, Lord. And, and I'm having a my God, my God moment. But in this moment, I can trust you. I can say, you know what? You're with me as I walk through I don't, get to, I don't have to stay in as I walk through the pain, as I walk through the adversity, as I walk through the, the bad report. Does this make sense? Why are you emotional, Pastor? I don't know. It's one of those days. Leave me alone. <laughs> because I've been here. I've been in these moments, man. I, I wish having the moniker Pastor and that title in front of my name excluded me from all pain in the world. But guess what? It doesn't. In fact, to be honest, it probably brings more, doesn't it, Bruce? <laughs> doesn't it, Tom? But we're called, and so we continue to press on. So we're not alone, even at the loneliest or the darkest moments. Why? Christ has come. Advent is upon us. The arrival is upon us. Our God is with us every step of the way. And I don't believe that the Christmas story was God was far away and he finally came to rescue us, I think it's actually showing us that he's been there the whole time. And now, Jesus, God in flesh, the incarnation, this, this is one of those mind-blowing things to think about, that God inhabited flesh, which I've said it before, means that flesh isn't bad. Come on. This human skin is not bad. You are not bad. How do I know that? Well, because God inhabited flesh, right? Skin. Now I get it. Someone's going to go, well, to walk not according to the flesh. I get that. I get that. That's a, that's a way of thinking. That's, that's a way of processing things and doing. Does that make sense? What I'm saying is who you are as a human being. Listen, 
in the, in the Genesis story, it says that God created all creation, including you and me. And what did he say every single time? Good. It's very good. Not just like, eh, good, good, good. Very good. Look at the very good person next to you and say, man, you're so good. So we know this through incarnation. God wanted to show us, I've always been here, and now I'm willing to show you how much I love you by laying my life down for you. Isn't that a beautiful story? Number three, say number three. Last one for today. You know I'm, I'm big on three points, man. Number three, hope inspires us to carry on. It really does. When you're in a hopeless state, it's not that you don't want to carry on. You just don't see any way to carry on. But here's the thing. When we tap into that gift of hope we've been given, hope inspires us to carry on. You know, the Apostle Paul described the cycle of hope like this in Romans chapter 5. He explains that because of Jesus, I'm going to pick up here in verse 2, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, what? Hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, excuse me, who has been given to us. Now, I'm going to read this from the mirror translation. I think it does a really good job because sometimes I've literally heard messages, probably preached to myself that... You know what? We need to glory and thank God for the suffering. Well, first of all, God doesn't bring the suffering. What it's saying is suffering is going to happen. Okay? But think about this. We glory in our suffering because we know that suffering what produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character what? We just talked about that. Hope by its very nature is present in pain, suffering, and uncertainty. So what it's saying is, hey, I gave you a gift. What do you mean? In the midst of suffering, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of pain, in the midst of adversity, I gave you a gift. What is it? Hope. This is going to produce hope, but you have to see it. And like any gift, guess what? If a gift's presented to you, what do you have to do to benefit from it? Receive it. I say it all the time on Christmas morning. Our kids have no issue receiving gifts. And then we grow up. And I'm not just talking about spiritual gifts. Normal, man, my, my mother-in-law helped me so much on this, but I was the king of, oh, no, 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 you don't have to do that. I'm reading someone's mail right now. No, 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 you, no, no, you don't have to do that. And she's like, well, first of all, I know I don't have to. Secondly, I want to. Thirdly, just say thank you. Touche. But you said it in love, Mom. I, didn't, I wasn't offended at all. Somehow, as we get older... We, we create this, we think it's maturity, but we create this space where we instantly go, nope, no thank you. Nope, I'm good. Nope, you don't have to do that. And then it carries right into our theology. It carries right into this spiritual world, the spiritual realm where God is saying, I've given you faith. I've given you love. I've given you hope. Will you receive? Nope, I'm good. I'll get through this. Nope, I don't need, are you, come on. You picking up what I'm laying down right now? It's this cycle that we need to break. But look at this in the mirror translation. This is so good. I'm going to bring this to a close. But I love how, how this is put. 
Starting with verse 3. Our blissful boasting in him remains uninterrupted in times of trouble. We know, say we know, know. that pressure reveals patience. Tribulation does not have what it takes to nullify what hope knows we have. That that statement is, I'm going to read that again. Tribulation does not have what it takes to nullify what hope knows we have. Isn't that awesome? But pastor in adversity, I, I just, I feel hopeless. Yeah, that I understand the feeling. But you've been given the gift of hope. And here's the great thing about hope. Hope knows what you already have. Patience provides proof of every positive expectation. This kind of hope, say this kind of hope does not disappoint. The gift of the Holy Spirit completes our every expectation and ignites the love of God within us like an artisan well. What a great translation. But I found through these steps, the first step often is the hardest. Hope sees beyond, but when you're in the midst of those circumstances, let's be honest, it's really hard to see beyond it, isn't it? And that's why we need to embrace. We need to to say, okay, I receive that gift of hope. And in that time and through that time, those are the moments where we begin to see beyond. Because when you're in the midst of it, it's so hard to lift our downcast, tear-filled eyes to look for that tiny spark of hope. And we feel swallowed by pain when we're surrounded by adversity. It can seem so difficult to reach beyond our troubles, to to grasp Heavenly Father's outstretched hand. It's already there. He's right there. He's with us. Emmanuel, God with us. But I've been there. It can feel so impossible to take that first step toward hope when we're weighed down by our burdens. But when we accept the gift of hope given to us by God's Spirit, we find new inspiration. Something goes off within us. It's almost like a a spark ignites something and you get hope. You ever been in a hopeless just feeling and moment? And maybe you right now you're like, okay, now I'm seeing it. Now I'm seeing what happened. But that that moment, you can almost go back and know that moment where you're like, I have hope for this. I'm beginning to see beyond. Isn't that like the greatest feeling ever? And there's Heavenly Father with you. I'm getting emotional again. He's getting with you. He's like, yes, son. Yes, daughter. That's the hope. You're beginning to see beyond. Because son and daughter, I can already see. I already see the other side. But I know you're in the midst of it, okay? But receive that gift, and it will ignite something within you. When we focus on the power of hope, embodied in not just the birth, but the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we discover new strength to take that first step. And then what do we do? We keep on stepping, one step at a time, pressing forward. And with each step, guess what? We're not doing it alone. God is with us every step of the way. Because hope inspires. Hope emboldens us. Hope builds upon hope and keeps us going no matter what. So here's my question as we close this morning. What is your next step of hope today? Will you stand with me? And I do want us to close our eyes for a moment because I want us to 
eliminate distraction. And I want to ask that question again. What is your next step of hope today? You know, in this Advent season, it's a beautiful place to transition our hearts, right? We can find hope in the arrival in the life of Jesus. We can draw hope from God's faithfulness in fulfilling his long-awaited promise of Messiah. Something that we're even experiencing now over 2,000 years later. And for every single one of us, we have these moments in life where it just seems like things are coming from all sides. Things are being thrown at us. In the midst of that, guess what? We can still experience God's spirit. Why? Because God hasn't gone anywhere. He'll never leave us. He'll never abandon us. He'll never forsake us. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for being there and never leaving. I choose to trust you. And in this moment, as I'm going through, just think about it. You can say it under your breath, whatever you're going through. Say this, I choose to accept your gift of hope. Hope that sees beyond. Hope that reminds me that you're with me. You're my Emmanuel. Hope that inspires me to take the next step as I get through the adversity and the pain. Bottom line, Jesus, I trust you with everything I am and every experience I go through. In Jesus' name. I want to end with this in Romans 15, 13. Paul writes, may the God of hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you what? Trust in him. You've heard me say this before, that we can read scripture as a threat or we can, we can read it as a promise. A threat would say, well, if you don't trust him, you don't got it. But I think the, it's a promise here. It's saying when you trust, you become aware of the gift of hope that's already there, the joy that's already there, the peace that's already there. Why? He goes on to say, so that you may overflow with hope. Come on, somebody. Why? Because others around you need it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, not by your power. Gifts are meant to be given, aren't they? So we receive the gift of hope. We begin to see beyond. We realize God's here. He'll never leave me, never forsake me. You get inspired. You start to walk through. And look at this. It begins to overflow. And others are, there's something about you. I know the adversity you're going through. I know the pain. I know the loss you're going through right now. How are you? When's the last time someone asked that question? See, what they do is they see the overflow. And so it's not just for us, it's for others as well. Amen? Amen? So let's begin this season with the right mindset. Let's remember the gift.
that Jesus is to us and has given to us the gift of hope. Say, I have the gift of hope. Amen. Did you receive that this morning? I hope you enjoyed it. No, I hope it inspired you. I hope it brought you to a place, because I know some of you, whether you're here, you're watching online, you're going through it. You're feeling the pain. You're feeling the loss. And I just wanted to remind you that hope's a gift. It's already been given, so receive that gift and benefit from it. Amen? Awesome. So come back next week, 10 a.m. We're going to continue in our series, Rediscover Christmas. And I'm excited to say some other stuff to you guys. And maybe or maybe not get emotional. You have to come back and see. So I love you guys. Have a great week. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.